Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I needed to um, be, you know, to be really focused on making profit. So I spent some time, I actually went off and did a program on um, business systems. I spent about 20 grand on that. And then I spent probably around about six months um, sort of working out a process for moving forward. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're chatting to property investor Bernadette Jansen, who has discovered the beauty of renovating and is now educating others via her company, The School of Renovating. Follow her journey and find out how she created $100,000 worth of profit to pave the way for her future. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Jensen is the founder and CEO of The School of Renovating and she says she's been a late bloomer to the property investing game. But I really only got serious about um, what I was doing after I'd turned 50. Uh, and I'll tell you a bit more about how that came about. Um, and of course, I was faced with the same problem that a lot of my generation are faced with. So we were, um, were at a point where we realised that we didn't have enough to retire on. And um, so I decided to get really um, serious about that. And um, as a result, uh, you know, from that point on, I um, have been using renovating as a tool to really fast track um, building wealth uh, through property. Um, so uh, I guess I, I do, in the past, when I say I was fiddling around with property, I did a lot of uh, buy, renovate and sell. And I figured that, that that really wasn't going to get me where I wanted to go because in a lot of ways I was giving away the golden goose. And um, so the first thing I did was actually um, buy a property in the area we're planning to downsize into and renovate it to hold. So that property, um, I did a really basic renovation, but it's delivered, you know, 200000 per year in equity growth for every year we've owned it. Then things start to move for Jansen and a lot of people around her who are quite interested in what she was doing faced the same problem and asked her for help. So that's when I started sharing my journey and and the skills that I had developed and and so the school of renovating was born I guess for me um, money is not a sufficient motivator to keep me at something I need um, I'm a people person I really need um, to interact with people I really love uh, 
not just making money for myself, but helping others do it too. So that's part of the drive of the School of Renovating. So what does Jansen do in any given day? I currently have three projects at various stages. Um, and so um, I am monitoring where they're at. So that's the first thing. Uh, then I am actually working in my business actually with my students. Uh, so I would say probably, you know, 30% to half my day is spent actually interacting with uh, various uh, people that are diff- at different roads in, you know, places in the um, in the journey. And then, of course, I'm running a business, looking after a family, and it's an older family, but still looking after a family. I'm a grandmother, so I have a grandchild to dote on. So um, pretty much my day is divided up with all those things. Wow. You've got a very busy, hectic day by the sounds of it. And yeah. especially with a grandchild. How old's your grandchild? He's, um, he's 18 months. Wow, that is a handful already. I know what it's like. Yeah, he's very gorgeous though, so it's awesome. Oh, that's lovely. I wonder what it's like to be a grandmother now because now after having your own children, how many children do you have? I have four um, and to be honest with you, nobody can prepare you for the joy of being a grandparent. It's, it's a really special relationship. Growing up in southeastern Australia, Jensen still doesn't identify herself as a true local. So I was born in Gippsland in Victoria and I grew up in central Victoria in a place called Rochester, which has a population of 2,700 people. Wow, a very close-knit community by sounds of it. You'd probably know everyone there. Funnily enough, I don't because I went to boarding school and then I went off to train as a nurse. So I, my brothers used to joke by telling everyone that I was adopted when I came home. So, so I'm not really yet a local. After completing her secondary education at boarding school, she trained as a nurse at St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne, a profession she remained in for around 10 years. I actually retired when I had our first child, which was, she's now 30, so 30 years ago. Um, I really loved it, but I was um, married to Stephen, who's been quite senior in the construction industry, so we didn't see a lot of him, so one of us had to be at home to be the parent, so I was the person. So, yeah, that's how it happened. Mm, And raising up four children after 30 years, that's amazing. And did you you just go straight into nursing and you stayed in there for a decade or did you actually go into other types of jobs to gain other experiences? No, no, no. I went went straight into nursing. I had lots of hobbies on the side. Like, I was was always quite um, creative. So, you know, I... You know, I did a certificate of fashion. I learned how to lead light. Um, I started my renovating career quite young. Um, so, you know, I always had other interests, but um, nursing was definitely my profession for that period of time. Renovating in particular was a hobby that stuck with Jansen from a young age. I did my first reno when I was 13 years old. Oh, wow. Like, I'm, yeah, so I'm stretching the truth a bit. It was painting and decorating, but for a 13-year-old, uh, you know, it wasn't too bad. So that's when I got absolutely hooked on renovating because I really got the sense that renovating doesn't just make the, your surroundings look good. It actually makes you feel like you're in control of your life. Like I, I, I lived on a farm where there wasn't a lot of money spent on the house, and so I found that if I could renovate my room, I, it really transformed the way I felt about myself. And, and I think that was what I found so addictive about it. 
Although her interest in renovating didn't stem from a parental influence, she credits her husband's mutual interest in it for her continued passion. I really did it because I was interested in the creative process more than anything. Um, and so, no, I didn't get it from my parents. They, my parents were farmers. They, they were, um, you know, they had their mind on other things, running a business. Um, and interestingly, I met Stephen, who is my husband, who also had a passion for renovating and an interest in property. And so um, he sort of fueled the fire. Um, yeah, so in our early years, we did a lot of renovating and, you know, a little bit of development, subdivision, you know, had a bit of a go at everything. Yeah, it sounds like you've had a lot of experience from that side. You've touched in all aspects. So you mentioned uh, your husband, Stephen, is in construction. Was he in some form of development type of construction? Like what kind of construction are we talking about? So he does large... Um, uh, institutional buildings, so things like hospitals and universities. So his his special specialty is medical. So you know, um, so he takes the project. He works between the government and the project. So he he gets the concept and has to develop that into a building. Yeah, that that's definitely really. Um it comes in handy actually having that kind of knowledge to actually go into, I guess, smaller residential will probably be a little bit different, but in that kind of sense, managing a project is very similar in the skill set all across the board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yeah, I've actually learned a huge amount from him. Um, so, and you're right, in the early days, we did it his way in terms of trades we used and what we did in the renovation, and that actually wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't successful. We've always produced beautiful um, homes, but they weren't profitable. Um, and so from that point of view, like I come across lots of people that have builders and tradesmen as, as partners. Oh, the other thing we did a lot of is DIY um, because we, we thought by saving money on that 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 would make our project more profitable, but in reality it didn't. And... Um, and so you've got to get out of that mindset of it just being about the building and you need to think more strategically. The first property Jansen and her husband purchased together took a colossal amount of research before selling on one. So the first property that we did together was we'd done, each of us had done uh, bits and pieces beforehand. But the first one we did together was our family home, which was in Adelaide. Um, and it was um, what's called a bungalow, a sandstone bungalow. And we um, looked at uh, 180 properties before we actually purchased it. Hold on, you said 180 properties. 180. <laughs> how did you get through that many and how long did that take? Look, it's a long time ago, but it took a long time. And, uh, you know, it might have been six months, maybe even longer. Um, and the problem was that we basically wanted to live somewhere that we couldn't afford. And, um, and so, and we eventually did, um, buy this bungalow, which was a really, you know, a really great buy, but it was, of course, um, very original. So we needed to, um, extend it. And the, the other thing that, um, we sort of, I sort of struggled with is I didn't actually cope with debt that well in those days. And so I was absolutely horrified at the thought of having all this debt, which at the time I think was forty seven thousand. And um and so the first thing we did was pay it off. 
Coming up after the break, we'll delve further into Jansen's journey and find out the reason why she didn't have adequate superannuation to live off. We had to extend our original family home and at that time, I think we had two other investment properties that instead of taking a loan out, we actually sold one of them. How she turned this around? From there on, I did three projects, one after the other. And um, the first one was to buy the property that was in an area where we would downsize to as an investment property. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, if you're finding this podcast super informative, then guess what? I'm giving you an exclusive free case study from property investors like this one just for listening. These case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific strategies and numbers of their portfolio. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. The Jansons paid off their debt in around three years due to commitment and frugal living, which was a juggling act when having to consider children as well. Despite this, Jansen managed to reach her 50s and was shocked to find she didn't have enough funds to retire on. We just sold too many properties. Like, for example, like when I think about some of the things we did in those days, I, I really could kick myself. But I was not, we were not educated. We were just feeling our way. We were just, you know, falling into it. And for instance, we had to extend our original family home and at that time, I think we had two other investment properties that instead of taking a loan out, we actually sold one of them to fund the renovation because I didn't want to have any debt, So, which was a really dumb thing to do and so we did a lot of that over the period of time. Stephen was busy working so I just went ahead and did what I thought was right. Um, and so it, yeah, so it's sort of, we weren't, like we did have a family home almost paid off, but in that period of time also, we actually paid off three family homes. Um, and so we're into our third. And um, so each time we would buy something that was worth a lot more than what we'd left behind. Um, yeah, so, but what happened was um, I actually got a bit, disenchanted with property altogether and or certainly it was renovating and so what we did we moved to Sydney during the Olympics and we in bought a house that we didn't have to renovate so it wasn't perfect but it had enough bedrooms and enough bathrooms for our family and um and then I decided to go and buy a business to flip so i I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something different. And I bought a corporate cafe and catering business um, and that's where I learnt the lessons that, um, yeah, that sorted me out in terms of how I was operating. On buying her new home in Beecroft and making the decision to enter into the corporate catering business, Jensen chose to extend her skill set. So the thing was, I knew that I knew nothing about running a food business and um, and so I decided to buy a catering business because I could cook and and I had the sense 
to go and get some education. So at the time, the TAFE ran a, like a corporate course for people running food businesses. It cost me about $1,000 for a week and it was run by industry leaders. And so in that training, I learned basically how to put together and run a business with systems and what the value of systems. I learned benchmarking, so how to manage your budget using benchmarks. And the other thing that I did is I engaged one of those industry leaders to help me make the key key um, decision about what um, business to buy. And so, so I went off from that and uh, with his guidance actually bought a business uh, which was in the Phillips building on Epping Road um, in North Ride, which was definitely in the red. It had two owners go, um, leave it. One was went bankrupt, the other one just walked away in despair. And so basically I stepped in and implemented those, um, those processes. Um, and within just over 12 months, I had it turned around and absolutely seen. Um, and so for the period of time I had it, it was, it was returning me between 200, just around 200,000 in wages and overhead per year, wages and, um, profits. And um, and the, my best year, I made two fifty. So I held that for around four years. Um, but I actually have quite a short attention span. So by the end of the four years, I'd absolutely had enough. And I had a bit of trouble convincing my husband to sell it because he was quite attached to the, the this little gold mine. Well, of course, um, <laughs> I'd be saying the same thing too. <laughs> yeah, but I decided I I, I decided I'd had enough. And so um, I sold the business and then I looked at um, what I was getting. And that was the point where I thought, you know what, I need to, I need, we need to do something about our um, retirement because um, it's, you know, not that far off the horizon. So, um, and then I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Because um, I was sort of used to a high disposable income and um I um, wasn't ready to retire, so I decided to go back to renovating, but to do it differently. So I needed to um, be, you know, to be really focused on making profit. So I spent some time, I actually went off and did a program on um, business systems. I spent about 20 grand on that. And then I spent probably around about six months um, sort of working out a process for moving forward. The main thing is we gave up DIY, okay? So that was probably the big thing that was holding us back. And from there on, I did three projects, one after the other. And um, the first one was to buy the property that was in an area where we would downsize to as an investment property. I didn't have – it was uh, when I found it, it was one, $1. 1.5 million, I think. I didn't have the $1.5 million, but I did, we did have a line of credit. Um, on our house, which we used to fund projects. So I went back to that, pulled the deposit out, went off and bought this place and then did a reno to just a sort of cosmetic reno to get it cash flow positive. And um, so as a result of that, I, I ended up paying $1.3 million for it. And by the time I'd finished the reno and got it back on the rental market, it was returning uh, $1,780 a week. So it was returning about 7% in, you know, the heart of Sydney. So um, so that was the first one. That went really well. Then I decided to give our own place a reno to 
maximise our return on, you know, on the family home before we downsized. So I did that and we added another, an extra 200000 onto that. So that gave us another couple of hundred thousand, you know, to take on the downsizing journey. And then I just proceeded to do quite a few flips. After selling her home in Beecroft and purchasing the property for $1.3 million in Redfern to rent out, she added a new project on top of that. Now, she's undertaking joint ventures with her children to help them get into the market. So basically, the first thing I wanted to do was make sure that we had our retirement sorted out. So the place in Redfern has a, it's in two, it's on, it's four levels. The ground floor is a studio, which we, which when I rent out, it gets, it brings in about six to seven hundred a week. And when I put on Airbnb, it's about a thousand a week. Um, so that, I figured that's a fair portion of our um, retirement income sorted out um, over and above our super. And then I went and bought another site out in um, the west of Sydney to um, to develop. Okay, so with both of those projects, that's pretty well sorted out our retirement. I don't need to worry. I haven't done the development yet, but um, when it's done, where that that will be done. You know, I don't need to worry about that anymore. And so then now we're doing projects with our kids to help them get into the property market. Looking back, one of Jansen's worst investing moments happened as a result of a lack of research and education on property. I used to just sort of find properties and think, well, I could do something with this. And so I was out walking when the kids were little and found this house just down the road from what had just gone up for sale. Thought it had good development potential. So bought it, bulldozed the house, built a pair of townhouses. Now this was in Adelaide and first thing, I didn't do enough research, okay? So I did, actually, to be let's be really straight, I didn't do any research. So, because in those days, I just did things. And so this place, um, so we did an, an amazing job um, because, you know, Stephen is in commercial building. We obviously sometimes disagreed on the level to which we should renovate. Um, and so we did, you know, top-notch renovating that nobody would pay for. Um, Oh, sorry, building. And so we built these absolutely, you know, fantastic um, townhouses. But um, in the meantime, the market had a slump and we were always intending to sell them. And when we came to sell them, we couldn't get, we couldn't sell them for the price we had done our feasibility on. And so we were hanging on to them. And like at that time, we had four children under five. And um, and we were thinking that we had to sell them. And so in the end, we did. We didn't actually lose money, but we actually didn't make any profit on it. And the reason we did is because we didn't understand financing. Like, there was absolutely no reason why we couldn't have just refinanced and rented them out and held on to them. So what was the biggest lesson she learned from this experience? The biggest lesson is don't sell. I think that's the biggest lesson. Uh, when I look at now, you know, the people I work with and I find people coming through thinking the same way that I was thinking back then, um, thinking we'll sell this. And it's, you know, there is always a way to um, to get around it. So, you, you know, unless it's in an area that's not going to work or it's going to be a major maintenance issue, that's why we didn't keep our family home in Beecroft because the maintenance on it was, 
um, was crippling. Um, but I, I would say, you know, particularly when you're doing something speculative like a development or a renovation, if things don't go to plan, don't fire sale it. When considering some of the incredible opportunities that have come her way, Jansen has had several aha moments which demonstrate to her the power of buy and hold and the influence of marketing. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been fortunate that I'm, I've been quite gifted with a, the ability to pick a good buy. Um, and I think um, so in terms of aha moments, like definitely that um, that per- I think that purchasing that it was actually a, a um, converted warehouse. Um, just uh, being committed to not selling it and seeing what a financial um, sort of cash cow it's become. Um, that was a huge aha moment. So, you know, like we do, like we teach how to buy, renovate, and sell because some people want, want to be able to do that, and I've done lots of it. And um, but if I had sold that when I'd finished it, I would have made about one hundred and fifty thousand in profit. Okay. However, that, that by hanging on to it, the capital growth has amounted to probably over a million um, in a very short amount of time. So um, that that's one. Um, another really amazing thing that we had happen last year is. Um, we did. Um, we actually support an organisation in Thailand that um, looks after at-risk children, and we were taking some of our students and staff on a charity bike ride, and we needed to do some fundraising. So instead of everyone doing sausage chisels and whatever, there were ten of us. We each had to make five thousand. We decided to buy an apartment um, to renovate and sell for profit, or to you know for the charity. And um, so that we had a lot of um, donations and, you know, people, you know, great people giving things for the project. But um, one of the things that really made it stand out was that my um, real estate agent actually not only donated their um, commission, but they also donated their PR person. So, and it was as a result of that that it made an extraordinary profit. That we got so much coverage. It made like it was a five hundred thousand dollar property, and it made one hundred and twenty thousand profit. Whereas normally I would have expected it to make about seventy thousand. And it really brought home the value of um, marketing. Like I'm, I, when people say to me, "Don't use, um, you know, why do you use agents? Why don't you sell it yourself?" And I always say, you know, one thing you have to do is make sure that the property is marketed really, really well. It's not my skill. And that was a really good example of what extraordinary marketing can do. Inspired by Bernadette Jansen's journey and the lessons she has learned, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on Property Investory. We'll uncover her strategy. I decided that we would uh, we would not rely on super for retirement, that we would generate our retirement income uh, independently of super. The personal habits she attributes to her success. Personal habits that I think has been the um, most powerful has been just being relentless. Like in terms of finding properties and um and, and securing them. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. 
Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, then head over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com to receive your free case studies. Thanks for listening.